I'm Emma. And I'm Jenny. And this is Have You Heard Of. It's the podcast where two best friends hold each other accountable for all those pop culture recommendations that we keep giving each other. This week it's my pick. Uh, we're ready for the fall. This pick has literally nothing to do with autumn, but we're talking about David Byrne's American Utopia. Actually, no, this is extremely relevant because David Byrne's American Utopia reopened on Broadway last week. Whoa, that's really cool. Okay, it is thematically correct. I mean, we don't have to do themes. We're just here to have fun. It's not a theme, but it is a spiritual successor or spiritual sequel to our Celine Dion A New Day live in Las Vegas Mm. episode. Yes, yes, yes. But before we get into today's episode, I'm going to do a spotlight swap. What you and got for me? Yes, today I am recommending um, the show Um Actually. And I've talked in our group chat about this a bit, but Emma, have you watched it before? I have heard of this before. Uh, okay. I had a different friend just basically put it on the computer one time when we were hanging out and say, watch this because you will enjoy it. And they were yeah. correct. It is such a fun show. I started watching it maybe a week ago and it's, I just found a list like, cause they have a YouTube channel. They've been like on, I think Amazon prime once and also on dropout TV because it's made by the same people who work for college humor who do dropout TV. And um, I just put on the playlist of like all of them in a row. I'm on number 40 out of like 50 on the playlist. <laughs> so I've just been watching a lot of it. So it is a game show um, where the premise of it is that they read incorrect statements about pop culture and things that you love and you have to buzz in and respond with, um, actually, and then correct them and you can interrupt them at any time. And it's very entertaining for me. And um, they also have shiny questions, which are worth the same amount as normal questions, except for they're a little bit more rare, like rare Pokemon cards. And so some of those are like movie posters, but they take took out the taglines and you have to match them with the correct taglines. And I have an example question for you. Um, so for example, a question would be, or a, they call them questions, but it's just a statement, would be, March 2019 saw the release of the latest MCU movie, Captain Marvel, and the latest DCEU movie, Shazam. Although the alien hero Shazam is now called Shazam. Um, actually, the- Shazam actually came out in April of 2018. Did it? Yeah. I don't think so. Well, wait. When was the last time I saw you? Before most recently. 2019. That was in 2019? Okay, then never mind. I take it back. That, I said okay. the wrong year. That's okay. But Scratch this. <laughs> oh, no, actually, I was wrong. This is the most embarrassing thing that's ever happened to me. Continue. <laughs> but the answer would be, um, actually, Shazam is not an alien. They are human. Oh, see, I cut you off before you said that part. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. But that's kind of like the gist of the show. So you have to like buzz and say, um, actually. And if you don't say, um, actually... Then um, you actually, Jenny, we have to cancel the podcast. So I need to go die off mic. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's okay. It's okay. But you were, but you, you know the premise of the show, though. So, I know. I did should have forget that this was 2021 because I was like, there was two years in between when I saw Jenny and two years from 2020 is 2018. <laughs> no, that's not where we're at anymore. Okay. Yeah, that's okay. It's <laughs> oh, Emma, you seem so. <laughs> if you want to have those vibes this is a tv show but some people say this they're like actually like but, but this is what 
I can never compete in anything because I hate being wrong. Um, yeah, so it's a, it's a really good show. I highly recommend it. They also, their set is also very interesting because it's about a bunch of props that are just wrong. So, like, there's, like, a D20 dice and one of the sides says 21 on it and that doesn't make any sense. Or, um, like, Thor's hammer has, like, an actual, like, hammer on the end of it. So, like, it is... It's so good. I highly recommend it. I just put it on the background. Just watch nerds geek out and be very impressed with each other and also argue about things. Anywho, definitely check it out. It's called Um Actually. <laughs> oh, I stood by my own petard. Okay. <laughs> cool. <laughs> it's a really good game show. It's also like, it's such a delicate balance. So credit to the host of the show because like yeah. you do have that moment where like, like, interrupting and correcting people are inherently, like, annoying things. And the yeah. show does such a good job of keeping everyone, like, on track, having a good time, making sure no one's yeah. getting too competitive. Like, it's a game show, but it's for fun. And everyone's just yes. there to be like, we love this stuff and we love the details of it. So, like, shout yeah. out to everyone involved for keeping that good vibe. Yeah, the host is Mike Trapp. And he does a really good job of being like, how pedantic do we be right now? And like, this that whole point of the show is to be like this. And then they have a fact checker on site so that they can like check things quickly. And they also have a segment when they're like, we got things wrong. Here are your comments from the last episode. And they like look at them because they also get things wrong because people love things and they know details of it and they will correct you. And yeah, it is fun. I enjoy. <laughs> cool. Okay, uh, just moving right along. Uh, there's a song in this musical concert cinematic experience called I Know Sometimes a Man is Wrong. So I guess that'll mm. be my transition from um, actually <laughs> to American Utopia. I Know Sometimes yes. a Man is Wrong. Uh, so today we're talking about Spike Lee's uh, concert film of David Byrne's American Utopia, which had an original Broadway run in 2019 to early 2020 uh, at the Hudson Theater in New York. It was a reimagining expansion on the tour that David Byrne did for his album of the same name, American Utopia. Let's see how many times I can say the words American Utopia in my <laughs> intro, uh, which has recently been remounted in a new theater. Apologies. I don't remember which one it is. I just remember that it's not the Hudson. Uh, this past week in the big Broadway is back push for reopening in New York. Uh, I saw it live twice, uh, and I will talk a little bit more about that experience and why <laughs> I have seen it twice as someone who, prior to seeing it, could name one song by Talking Heads, two, mm. two songs by Talking Heads, Psycho Killer, and, uh, well, shit, I can't remember the second one now. Anyways. Burning Down the House? Burning Down the House is also another one, but I was thinking of um, the one that, oh my god, my, my dad, if he listens to this, is like, I've failed as a parent. But song to Nowhere? No. Um, Going, not Song to Kermit. Nowhere. Once in a Lifetime. I was going to say A Day in the Life, and like, that's the Beatles. Once in a Lifetime. Mm. Also famously covered by Kermit the Frog. Anyways, <laughs> so if you're wondering why Emma is so passionate about this thing, despite not being able to remember the name of Once in a Lifetime, Talking Head's most famous song, arguably. I will go into a little bit more about that in a second. Uh, Jenny, had you heard of American Utopia before? The only thing I knew about it was your experience going to see it. 
and your father's experience going to see it. That is it. I know so little that I didn't even know. Like I wrote down, I was like, wait, is this David? Like, I don't know anything about it. And when you started being like, yeah, this is from, um, what's the band called? Like, see, I talking heads, but not the talking heads. They're just talking heads, but they've not been together for many decades. But so like I exhibit a, everything I just said, no, I didn't know anything. There were some songs that definitely played that I was like, oh, oh, this sounds familiar. Like, I've definitely heard this. Like, this is definitely music that I can envision, like, going down into the garage and my dad has it on the boombox of, like, it's just there, you know? Mm. But I've never, like, I, coming into this, I had no idea about what it was going to be. Like, you said it was kind of like a narrative, so I thought it would be, like, a narrative, but, like, more Broadway-y, but then it wasn't. And then I was like, wait, what is it? And then I was a little confused, but then I got into it. So it was a cool, like, transformation of vibes, but I had no idea anything about the production of it at all. Yeah, as, it's a except very... Except for sh- how much your father likes it. <laughs> yeah, so, okay, before I get into the actually the actual show, my history with it is that I really wanted to go see Taylor Swift on the Reputation Tour. She yes. was coming to Toronto. Um, my parents wanted to come visit me that summer, and I was like, Mom, do you want to go see Taylor Swift with me? And my mom was like, of course, why would I not? My dad said, cool, I will do something else that night. Mm. <laughs> so my parents came to visit me, and then, like, the week that they were there, my dad was like, okay, well, what else is happening this day? And he saw that David Byrne was doing a show for his new album, American Utopia. My dad is a passing Talking Heads fan. Like, I wouldn't say they're his favorite band, but he enjoys them. Mm. And he, I don't even know how much of David Byrne's solo work my dad had listened to at this point. But my dad was like, I'll get a ticket because the rest of my family that is in this city is going to be very emotionally occupied that day. Yes. Uh, and it was very, very fun because my mom and I had the best time. The Reputation Tour was a cultural reset. It was a moment. Taylor... Mm. It was incredible. Uh, and we go pouring out of the theater and it's like thousands and thousands of Taylor Swift fans. And then in the theater next to us is like hundreds and hundreds of David Byrne fans pouring out and everyone was in such a good mood. Like truly just loved humanity that moment. Everyone was sweaty and thirsty. All of the, there was so many food trucks lined up outside the theaters and all of them were sold out of water because everyone was like, I'm dying. Uh, but we met, we managed to, it was a miracle. There was just hordes of people everywhere and we managed to find my dad pretty easily. And he was like, I do want to hear about Taylor Swift, but you need to understand I just had the best night of my entire life. Mm. And we were like, okay, and? <laughs> he was like, you don't understand. I said the best, like, best concert I've ever been to. He was trying to explain it. And we were like, what are you talking about? What is yeah. going on? My dad was like, no, it was David Byrne. And it was solo stuff. But he had this band and they're all in matching suits. And I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> and? Anyways, flash forward a year later, I was planning on going to New York by myself to see the McElroy brothers mm-hmm. amongst other things. Uh, and I get an email from the theater company that owns the theater. The McElroy's are performing in because that company also owns the Hudson. And they were like, Oh, special announcement. David Burns American utopia is going to be opening on Broadway. That's this fall. And I forwarded mm-hmm. the emails to my dad and my dad called me literally less than five minutes later and was like, Hey, can, can mom and I come on your trip to New York with you? I will buy you a ticket to go see this show. Uh, my dad has seen it on Broadway five times oh my god my dad saw it twice when we were in new york my mom and i went to go see something else my dad saw it twice uh and then they were it was a limited run they were going to close that january and my dad bought us tickets for what was originally going to be opening weekend they ended up extending for another Mm. couple weeks but we went in february and saw it again 
we my dad actually I live in Toronto it's a pretty close trip so I just took like a day off work over the family day weekend and went to see a bunch of shows uh, my dad went every night I <laughs> went one night with him my mm. dad loves it uh, but I remember going and obviously it's it's Broadway and it is a musician and an artist who has done solo work he initially rose to fame like the talking heads i think their first album came out in 75 so he would have been like early 20s david Byrne is currently 68 years old he's got great mm. hair for someone who's 68 mm-hmm. um and so literally for the past 45 years this man has been creating music either by himself or with many other collaborators he's done a lot yeah. of albums with other people like saint vincent is really not a notable collaboration that i really enjoy um and so I went in, and because my dad bought tickets, they were really good seats. We were in, like, the third row. And I was just like, okay, this will be cool. This will be good. Uh, and then I cried for a lot of that show. I was just so overwhelmed sonically and visually <laughs> and emotionally. I just started crying and could yeah. not stop because... Like Jenny said, there is a narrative, but not in the way that they're telling a Mamma Mia type jukebox musical story. Yeah. It's yeah, more yeah. a musing of David Byrne. So his tour uh, for this album was, of course, playing the songs on that album with a few other songs. Mm-hmm. And when it transferred to Broadway, there's still several songs from the album, but he does a lot more from the entire breadth of his career. And it becomes this real retrospective on his journey not just as an artist, but as a person in the world and mm. figuring out what it means to be connected to people and what it, how important it is to care mm. about how, like the, the overall theme of this show is that it's, you need to find reasons to be happy in this life and you need to keep dreaming of a better future, but it's not enough to dream. You personally have to work for it. And mm-hmm. you will succeed by connecting with other people. And it would be very easy, I think, for this narrative to ring hollow, certainly in 2018, when the tour originally started, certainly in 2019, when the Broadway show started, to be like, well, other people don't care about us. Why should I care about them? And it, it never rings false to me. It's just this man who very earnestly is like, I love you. Mm. <laughs> Please keep trying. Mm-hmm. And I find it incredibly moving. And what's really notice- notable and now famous about the show is like they're all in matching suits. He's got his entire band on stage with him. And they're all doing very simply elaborate choreography. They're all carrying mm. their instruments. It's like a marching band dialed up to yeah. 11. And it is yeah. just, they are a unit. It is, I've never seen a company work so completely together in any show before. That was definitely my favorite part was, like, the band aspect of it. Like, I wrote down, like, it reminded me of, yeah, a marching band or, like, elementary school band when you had, like, all these really cool instruments. I love different types of drums. Mm-hmm. And, like, they did such a good job of having all these different styles of drums from different cultures and just, like sonically sounds so different but together it makes sense like I love those sounds of so many people are playing instruments and like it almost seems disconnected but somehow it works together and being able to like visually see them and they're all like very mobile and able to walk around and move and 
you realize how talented all of these artists also are because they're doing a bunch of different instruments. No one's just doing the one. They're switching, going back and forth. And that sonic sound, like I haven't explored that as much as I would like to. And also the times that I've have, like, oh, I miss that. I miss those like um the tambourine and like the uh like the bongos like just all that type of sounds i'm like yes yes i've never seen it on stage like that before not hidden you know yeah and so he did this david byrne did this album with saint vincent called love this giant and on that tour they rearranged a lot of their music for the live show and Mm. brought in a very large bass band not bass, yeah brass band that was doing this choreography with them and basically when he was planning American Utopia he's like I need to expand on that and he has this quote where it's okay if I can afford it and if I can liberate the drums because he could not figure out how to take a drummer with their huge drum kit and have them be mobile and his solution Mm. to that was okay well then we're gonna have six drummers Yes. Uh, and then actually, like, apparently, I enjoy this about him very much. He's very budget conscious and was, like, doing the own budgeting for his show when he was planning it out. <laughs> yeah. And was like, okay, if I have six drummers, then I need to cut them. So that's why there's no brass instruments on this show. Like, no horns or anything. He's like, I can't afford them. I need the drums. Oh. <laughs> like, David <laughs> Uh But I respect that. He was like, I've set a budget for myself and I'm going to stay in it. Um and also I think the drums, like if brass was in there, it could definitely have worked, but the drums gave it more of a worldly feel to it. Like yeah. more of like a, um, like down to earth, um, vibe. Like it gave me a lot of like Georgia, the jungle music vibes. <laughs> I know. And it's one of those funny things too. Like. He's got all these very, like, African-inspired beats, and he makes the comment several times, like, I'm a white man of a certain age, but it really is all with this nature of, like, I just want to explore music. Mm. Um, And then going back to, like, them as a company, uh, the choreographer is a woman named Annie B. Parson, and I love her choreography because it is all comes down to them working in unison and synchronicity because Mm. she is not afraid to lean into very, like, awkward movements or very simple movements there's a song Mm. called uh about like why can't okay i need to stop talking because i keep being checked by my notes and then whatever i'm talking about leaves my brain um but there's a song uh what he does with the chopping and then they like the chopping is kind of like one of his signature dance moves actually is it Uh, okay i every time they were dancing i was i kept thinking i was like this is very dad moves like, now I'm going to stretch down. I'm like, oh, hell yeah, you are. Uh, I dance like this. <laughs> yeah. And it's, I dance like this because, like, because it feels so damn good. If I could dance better, well, you know that I would. And she knows that everyone on stage is, like, very, like, a very strong physical performer. Like, I, mm. I know more about some people in the company more than others just based on basically on who I follow on Instagram. But, like, Angie yeah. Swan, who's the guitarist, used to be a guitarist for Cirque du Soleil. Jacqueline Acevedo, oh. who's one of the drummers, uh, was a dancer for a very long time. Obviously, you have Chris Giarmo mm. and Sendai Kumba, who are the lead dancers of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were like, yeah, it, it looks simple, but we plan out everything. We plan every sip of water is choreographed and it's simple, but it all comes down to timing and just like leaning into the body's trained and untrained instincts. It's like what I think is they're like, what does my body want to do? Okay. We're going to do it, but we're going to perfect it. And I think that the way the set is really promotes that 
too of it's very simple yet like kind of eerie like halfway through I was like is this a cult and I was like no it's fine because <laughs> they're all like in the same outfits and they're all barefoot yeah, it was like the the breathe song. I was like, is this is this a cult? <laughs> they happen? have a song called Izimbra that is a Dadaist poem from the 30s, and like the Dadaist movement is nonsense. Yes, it's nonsense with intention, but it is nonsense words. And so you're watching it and just like, what? What? But is I, happening? <laughs> I really do like how like when we were talking about choreography, like the set is just all these like beads, mm-hmm. and. So the movement of you're not restricted to this exit and entrance. You can exit and enter from any part of the stage. So I think that really promotes the movement. And and they play with what you can and can't see. They have one song where it's David Byrne alone on stage, but everyone's arms are out playing their instruments. So you can't see them, but you see all these disembodied hands. Or they'll play with shadows against these bead chain curtains. And so it's really playing with perception. Uh, one of my favorite songs is the one, again, that he did with St. Vincent called I Should Watch TV. And it's David Byrne mm. talking about how he bought a TV because he... David Byrne also, and I haven't done a ton of reading about this, but in his uh, a biography he wrote a couple years ago talked about being autistic and how that has mm. really formed like how he perceives people and how he feels mm-hmm. comfortable communicating with people. And I think you can see a lot of that in this show. So he's talking about how he watched, bought a TV and would watch TV because he thought it would help him understand people better and it just had him feel more disconnected because he was only watching these stories and you can't learn how people will react from written stories because that's mm. not authentic even if it's a really good story. It's not real life and just the trying to understand that of are you like me? Why don't you understand me? It's very meaningful. are very um like uh, uh, when I first hear it I'm like he's just telling me a story like it's not mm-hmm. and sometimes they feel very disconnected but I I try to balance between the looking deeper into the lyrics mm-hmm. and also versus just the vibes the song is giving me yeah. up, like giving me and I find that usually vibes are usually the way I go with music why like listening to music in different language doesn't affect my enjoyment of it that much because it's all about the vibe it gives me and it's so the total package You're like how does exactly. it make you feel and the music is part of that you can't act exactly. like it's just the lyrics so at first i put on the subtitles but then i had to take them off because i was like trying to analyze it as it was going and i was like what are you what is this chicken doing? And I was like, what does this mean? I was like, I don't want to be wrong. And I was like getting in my head. I was like, what if I'm interpreting it wrong? Because like when I was listening to the TV song, my interpretation of it was like, I thought it would help me and hear all these things I could see. And then like people are saying it's bad, but you're experiencing and seeing different things and how that can also open your worldview. Mm-hmm. So that's how I was interpreting it. But it also went how you interpret it could also be completely correct. So I think like sometimes the lyrics, I was like, I don't, where are we, where are we going here? I think it's because 
again, I knew nothing about the musical. So when it started, he like had a brain. I was like, is this, is this about a doctor? Is this a doctor? And I was like, it kind of looks medically, but then I had to get rid of it. So I watched it last night and I also watched it this morning. And I was like, okay, now that I know what's happening, I'm like, I'm enjoying it a lot more now. <laughs> Cause I'm like, this is just what it is. This is how the, it's a concert that, that has some theatrical moments in it, but it's mainly a concert that has really good, like it's simplistic, but it's using lighting and sound and instruments in a really creative way. And that's how I interpreted it. Versus like, this isn't like Mamma Mia. I was so confused. <laughs> yeah. And one of the, you're right. Because one of the first lines, and I should watch TV, is that like I thought, uh, I thought it would help me understand the land I live in and I would lose myself and it would set me free. And there is like that experience of watching a TV show and seeing yourself in a character. Like if we're talking about representation yeah. in TV, which is something we both talk about a lot. Like there is that mm. moment of, oh, I am not alone. And so if you are isolated in your real life, you can still find that on screen and how important that is but just the, he opens with on on stage with this brain talking about how like he he did this reading about how children have more neural connections in their brain than adults mm. do and wondering like does that mean we get stupider or more closed off from the world and by the end of it he envisions these neural connections outside of his brain and instead becoming the connections he has with other people the people on stage the people in the audience the people he's worked with which I really like it. Again, I'm bringing my insider knowledge. It's not insider, yeah. insider, but <laughs> I really enjoy watching David Byrne do this as a 68 year old man mm. because I think like for someone who has spent his almost in his entire adult life in the public eye and like not in the same way that someone I would say like Taylor Swift has. David Byrne is famous, but I'm sure many people would walk past David Byrne on the street and have no idea who he is. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, but he also very publicly has had very many acrimonious negative relationships. One of the members of the band that he was in, Talking Heads, uh, this is a quote that has stuck with me since I first read it like two years ago, is that someone interviewed his former band member and she described him as a man incapable of friendship. Oh, shit. And he was just, <laughs> someone asked him about it in an interview for American Utopia and she said this publicly about him. He was like, yeah, I can't change that. We don't talk if we do talk because like of like legal reasons that we have to. It's very, very tense. And just mm. like how you can't control how other people see you or how other mm -hmm. people remember you. And so all you can do is just be there in the world. Yeah. Um, two things. One, to go back to the whole brain thing, mm -hmm. it also reminds me of how like babies technically have more bones. But what? It's just be well, it's because... <laughs> <laughs> sorry I can't. <laughs> you can't just they drop that on me well because some of the bones they like connect later when you oh. grow oh. so technically you they have more but they're not all formed so it's this is an ongoing debate with doctors of like well they technically have more but like they don't lose them they just like other ones form together and like all that stuff it's not like you're so coughing up a bone from a chicken <laughs> Yeah, it's not like your wisdom teeth or like just baby teeth. Um, but that's also kind that of... That was my favorite cute. thing when I got my wisdom teeth out to be like, I have to take the day off. I'm getting some bones removed from my body. And everyone's <laughs> like, please stop saying it like that. Yeah. And so that's kind of similar to kind of the whole brain thing if, that he talked about of like, it's not that we're getting rid of these connections. It's just we're forming who we are and it more solidifying mm -hmm. as people. And I also think that the set 
amplified that because it started from the ground and these beads would go up and then it would gradually go up and up throughout the performance and at the end it went all the way up so and you see like the bones like of the theater behind stage Ex- yes exactly um my other thought was yeah it was really interesting to see um david like put in cultural moments and like ideas into the minds of the audience and like taking that as like the best type of leverage of like people are coming here to see me and I have like a specific demographic and I'm going to tell people like, Hey, you know what? Vote. Hey, you know what? These people are dying. Like we should talk about it. His his original concert tour started in 2018, like during the midterm elections for the U S um, I saw it on Broadway almost exactly a year before the U.S. election of 2020. Mm. And so he really is just like, vote, vote, vote. And he has a pledge. Like, when you went to see the show in the lobby, they would have people say, like, can you, it's not a binding document, just sign and yeah. say you're going to vote, but not you're going to vote in federal elections, you're going to vote in state elections, in local elections. And it's yeah. like, he's like, you don't, there's no follow through. I'm not going to call you up and say, hey, did you vote? But it's just the idea of making this promise to yourself and externalizing that. Mm. And it's it's really interesting that this show exists when it does. And yeah, and there can be some barriers of like, okay, and he even talks about it like I am a middle-aged white man. I'm Why a white man of a certain age. <laughs> yeah, and like that's a tricky situation of like knowing when it's your turn to speak or knowing when, but also like knowing that you have this platform and this uh, you're in this theater able, you paid at least a hundred dollars yeah. to see this i've got you here you're my audience yeah. now and then like making sure like the ensemble and the band is diverse and giving them voices mm-hmm. and um i think he does a really good job of showing that balance of being like letting other people lead but also being there as the catalyst or as the jumping off point for mm-hmm. people to be like oh like Oh, okay. I, I, I know this guy now and that he trusts and gives these people moments to speak, or he's talking about these issues that, um, the person watching may not agree with, but like the power of seeing someone you respect say stuff like that is a huge impact. Mm -hmm. Um, so one of the most powerful and like emotional moments of the show is he introduces because I'm going to perform a song by Janelle Monet and explains mm-hmm. like I called her I got her permission I'm very grateful that she is so generous and then he performs Hell You Tom Boat uh, yeah. where they just say names of all of the various black people in the US who have been killed by police and they mm-hmm. range from like the 40s to the present day yeah. and um, even that I can't, I keep going back to, Oh, I saw it live, but I saw it live. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the names changed in between when I saw it because of the deaths that had happened in between the four mm-hmm. months of when I shot, saw the show. So different names from October to February, 2020 and talking about how he, you know, performed it on tour as well and got Janelle Monáe's position and then got permission again when they were performing it in New York and how, mm-hmm. when they were touring, which is interesting because they were going around the world, he would have people, leave the theater and like yell as they left and then he got to new york and he's like that hasn't really happened in new york and i just wonder if that's the demographic and like the rise of ticket prices for seeing a show on broadway like you're only bringing in a certain kind of audience Mm. um but like even when you have this like very white 
like left-leaning richer audience in Broadway it's important to still do these moments like even if people are like oh yeah I'm I agree with you in the theater it's like okay but what are you doing about it say their names you do something about it right here right now yeah and it's very yeah yeah yeah, yeah. very much <laughs> yeah definitely uh, and also because this was a recording of it they were able to like have photos mm-hmm. of the people who were killed and also the like names after of like since then yeah and so and that's they have a thing family that members benefits. on stage too yeah yeah and i think that's benefits with having a recorded thing um that you can insert those pieces to make it even more in- impactful of yeah they have like photos of the names as they're coming up and then the show ends and there's still like a little musical outro and it just flashes more photos more photos and then a wall of text mm-hmm. um I wanted to segue a little bit into the direction. This was directed by Spike Lee, famous writer-director. Um, and I really love his directing of that moment and of the whole show. It's With a concert film, I feel like it's very easy to be like, we've got cameras here, here, here. Okay, good. Mm. And he moves with the choreography to like where... It's the choreography of the show, but it feels almost like it was tailor-made to be filmed. And I think mm. it's just a really dynamic direction for, for the movie. Yeah, I think they do a good job of um, knowing when to film from a different angle than front way, mm-hmm. that, like from the audience perspective. One thing that I thought was a bit strange is that they only showed like the audience at the very end or during the um, burning down the house, they started showing the audience. It was like, it was, usually they would show it like most of the time, but maybe it was more like showing the... Because burning down the house, they showed the people. But besides that moment, I thought, like, when they had, like, the aerial shots of everyone on the floor. It's like a Busby Berkeley number. It's you see them from this from above, bird's eye view, and it just changes. And you're like, wow, is that what the human body looks like? Yeah, 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 yeah. I think they do a really cool job of, like, highlighting certain um, aspects on stage. Because, again, like, we've talked about with other, like, stage productions being filmed... It's so doable and people are always like, well, it's not the same because people are like just one shot. I was like, yeah, well, if you film it just from one angle, that's actually not an authentic way that people view things. Like if you're watching a theater production, you look over there, you're not focusing over there. Then you look here and you have little moments here and there and you're noticing things. So I think they did a really good job of editing it in a way that felt authentic in the way that if I was watching from stage, I would look there and then I would look over there and like, it had good movement for it. With burning down the house, they that is a moment in the live show that they cut out of the movie where the Hudson Theater is a very small Broadway theater. It has really tiny chairs. And also mm. you're in Broadway. So like when you see it, everyone... It's, it was very nice seeing it live because it's all people my dad's age who are just like having a really good time. They know all <laughs> the songs. They're vibing. Once in a lifetime starts and the guy next to me lost his mind and just started like yelling oh it was great God. but it's it's a concert mentality but you're in a Broadway theater so everyone's like oh we'll be behaved and before burning down the house David Byrne is like I have just watched you all for an hour and a half dance in your seats if you want to stand up no usher is gonna come and bonk you on the head with a flashlight please stand up and dance so like they he just unleashes the audience at burning down the house ah. and everyone is up that makes sense because I was also I wrote some notes of before like we had actual shots of the audience you would still I really enjoyed how it kind of looked like a concert. It seemed like mm-hmm. there were people standing for most of it in this because you would see like the shadows of people standing. 
and you could tell people were having a great time and you could see them like vibing and I this is definitely was like I could see how like intoxicating this would be live mm-hmm. because of the atmosphere and all the music and everyone's so hyped and yeah I there was also like one person in the front that just kept like pointing at the band being <laughs> That's like such a yeah. dad move like yeah. yeah yeah they just kept like pointing at them and I was like look at them go and I love what I still have a caption on there were just some things that would just be like man woo <laughs> it's like yeah he did woo he went woo <laughs> and yeah so it's it's always fun to see when people are having fun. <laughs> right? I, yeah. uh, I've been talking for a while. What was your favorite song that, from the set list for the show? Oh, there was a couple of songs I really liked. Um, I liked the Lazy song. It's Okay, this is a visual a uh, uh, audio medium, but it's got such a bouncy way. And there's a shot of him burn with his mm-hmm. arms out and he's just swaying. And that's exactly what you want to do while listening to this song. It's just like has some vibes to it, and it's also like I believe it's the first time some of the drums start coming in, and mm-hmm. that's when I started to really enjoy it. Like I think my like plateau of enjoyment of the film like kept going up. Like in the beginning, I was like, it's fine, okay. I think it was also because I was trying to figure out what the hell was happening, mm-hmm. and then it kept going up, and then eventually, like when it got to this point, I was like, okay, like this is like vibes. Like a lot of the songs felt very much like. They would be in movies. Yes. Right? Like, not, like, some of the speaking, but mostly, like, the instrumental parts of it. Like, the, um, what's the song? Oh, Once in a Lifetime? Yeah. That's definitely, I feel like I've definitely, not the, like, the talking part of it, but, like, the chorus of it. I've definitely have heard that in film before. Yes. It's in a lot of trailers. I will send you the Kermit the Frog cover later. It's fantastic. <laughs> okay, okay. Maybe that's it. It's interesting, like, the way he has kind of, like, that's why I had moments when I was like, is it a cult? But Because he has, like, moments of, like, very preachy vocals, which kind of remind me mm-hmm. of Hadestown. Yeah. Kind of. Of that, like, take me to church type, like, speaking. <laughs> and... Um, so those were, I, I found those were really fun. And then, yeah, I also liked the TV one. And also, ooh, I really like the Bullet song. It's so strange. Please it's elaborate. So, yeah, so there's this song, and it's talking about, like, this this travel of this bullet going into this person. And it's kind of like this shift in the atmosphere. And he has, like, one, like, light and he's just lit by that one light post that he's holding. And it's just the lyrics of the song of like, it went through here. That's where like he had like go through your stomach. I don't know the exact words, but the gist of like this bullet goes through your stomach. That's where you like, you had food or it goes through here. This is where someone has touched before. And it really like was very visceral in a way of like this bullet is killing someone. It like goes through their head, goes all these places, but it's still like, it's a human, you know, of like 
a it's stomach just is a just a stomach or this is just a this but this is like something that a loved one has felt or this is something like it brings it more back into reality of a person is unique and it was very and then all of a sudden like the the lamp like moves away and you're like oh god like is that the light of the person like leaving them like in this last moment of them thinking of like their whole life and now the light is moving anywho that also makes you think of Hades Town, which I wouldn't have thought if you hadn't said it but this that like this push and pull of like someone becoming farther and farther away from you and yeah. forgetting that you exist in a corporeal way yeah exactly and I think he also like David Blaine has a very no, not David Blaine. That's someone I was going to let you just keep going. <laughs> David Byrne. Him. He has a very unique voice, which is like, he has very good control, but it's such a unique voice that like, he's a lot of times very flat, but it works for him. Like it's, that's the uniqueness of his voice is to not like actually hit the note. And... But sometimes he has such intense control when he goes to, like, the falsetto voice. Mm-hmm. And you're like, whoa, like, he knows what he's doing. And he's doing this, like, the entire show. Like, he doesn't leave the stage and he just goes. And I'm like, this is very impressive. It's <laughs> intense. He's, he's 68. Yeah. Damn. Damn. I always like, enjoy when very, very talented singer Jenny comes out and you're like, breath control. I'm like, cool. Yeah, <laughs> sure. <laughs> Yeah, I don't like. There's sometimes like, how did he, how did he do that? I don't know how he got to that point. But yeah, I, I found it very fascinating of the diversity of the music. But like his voice is like consistent. His voice is consistent in his inconsistency, and that's a big thing with singers. Is sometimes like people like I want to get trained and be better at my voice, but then sometimes you lose that authenticity of you and your voice so people refrain from that so there's always a balance between the two but i think like he's been he's made it work (laughs) he's been doing it for a while (laughs) he's got it (laughs) yeah um one other song i wanted to highlight was the song everybody's coming to my house and he tells a Mm. little story about how this is a song he wrote for his most recent album and it was a song for him about this feeling of dread when there's he like I said, the songs are from all over his career and he talks a lot. I was looking at the lyrics trying to pull like one key lyric that I liked from each song in case we were like going in on each song. Mm. Um, and there's this recurring theme of like a house versus a home and mm-hmm. how can home can be people, blah, blah, blah. But you get to everybody's coming to my house and it's from his perspective, a song of everybody's in my house and I want them to leave so I can have some time <laughs> to myself, please. And then he talks about how he gave permission to a high school choir to cover it. And when they sang it, it was, look how wonderful my life is that I have all these people who want to be with me. Everybody's coming to my house. Mm. I never have to be alone. And he says, you know, they didn't change any of the words or (laughs) any of the music. But from them, it is a completely different song. I'm going to do my version. Sorry, I guess. (laughs) Mine's more depressing. Um, And it's a really good song. uh, But I was just thinking about that in the context of how... This show started uh, mid-Trump presidency. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Broadway show opened as people were really getting into the election and is now reopening post-pandemic when we have talked ad nauseum. 
over and over about what it means to be connected to other people and caring mm. about other people. And I don't think that they've changed any of the songs or any of the script for the show, but I think watching it now would be a different experience, even though it's the same choreography, the same show, but watching it now after not be haven't seen live theater since January 2020, or February 2020, rather, is mm. just... It would change. Because oh, for changed. sure. Well, even, like, when I was... I don't remember the song. It was near the beginning... Something about the government and the lyrics of like, don't worry about me. Don't worry about the government. Is that the song? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Anywho, he kept saying, don't worry about me. And like, I got my apartment. I got all these things. Don't worry about me. My building me. is every convenience. And, but there's just something about someone continuously on repeat saying, don't worry about me. That makes me think, I, I, I think I should worry I about should you. I should be worried about you. <laughs> like, no one who you shouldn't worry about says, oh, don't worry about me. You're like, oh, you said it too many times now. Now I'm concerned. <laughs> you, I think, I, I, are you okay? <laughs> yeah, like, this person's like, my life is great. Everything's fine. I'm not worried about the government. I trust all the civil servants. They're just doing their best and probably don't wish me any harm. But, you know, don't worry yeah. about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that has a very interesting notion. <laughs> As I kept listening to it, I was like, I, I wrote down... I don't think he's okay. <laughs> I don't know about that. I think that's a lie, but hey, you may be telling that to yourself. Yeah, this show runs through the opening here is another song I like, which is just like he's holding this brain on stage. He's not spoken anything yet. He hasn't talked about neural connections and babies mm. and people yet, but he's singing this song about here are all these different parts of my brain. Here's what needs care. Here's what needs love. Here's what needs attention. And here's my connection to the opposite side. The music in this bit just like chills because it, it starts off with just him on stage. And then you have the dancers come through the curtains and their vocals are so gorgeous. Yeah. I, um, yeah. Because I, I don't know who this man was. And you know what he looks like to me? I think it's just because it's just another white old man. There's some moments in this production when he looks like the butler from the Haunted Mansion. <laughs> I haven't seen the Haunted Mansion since it was in theaters, so I don't know who you're Terrence talking about. Terrence Stamp, I think his name Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. There were some moments I was like, is that him? And I was like, it can't be him. <laughs> I don't think he would do the Haunted Mansion movie, so I'm so confused. But yeah, I, I think like the idea, like when you're talking about like with the the harmonizing um it's really cool because again not everyone doesn't have just one role like there's two people who are like the main dancers but they also do instruments and they also sing and they also do this and then you brought up before the canadian drummer i am obsessed with her She's so cool. She's so cool. She's got amazing makeup. Follow her on Instagram. She has the best shoes and just, just like also just loves memes. Like so many posts <laughs> on her story every time. I love it. <laughs> There's just something I love about female percussionists. I don't know what it is, but it's the best idea in the world and I love it. <laughs> and and so she's she, from Toronto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because he goes and he like says where everyone is from, and when it's like Toronto, I was like, oh, <laughs> I know Jackie. there. Yeah, oh, she's wonderful. Um, I was reading another interview with the uh, the one dancer, Chris Giarmo, 
Uh, mm. He's got really fantastic blue eyeshadow and like bright yeah. red lips and matching lipstick. And uh, basically, he's also a drag queen. And I was talking about how, like how much he loves doing his makeup for for the show and was really happy mm. that he got to keep the makeup in the movie because he was like, I trust David, I trust Spike Lee, obviously, but part of my brain could not shut off this. What if they tell me to dial it down for the movie? And then they were like, no, 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 please don't. We love it. And he just, I, one quote I love from him is, glamour is resistance. He's like, I'm just going Ooh. to be very happy in who I am when I am on stage because that is what I want to do with my life. Hell yeah. Glamour is resistance. Nice. I like that. Um, do you have any other songs you wanted to talk about before we wrap up? We've been talking for almost an hour, so um, I'm going to keep us on track. Yeah, I, I, I didn't really write down specific song names because they didn't announce what songs they were going to mm-hmm. be. So I'm like, it was the song that they did this in it. Um, but yeah, I did really like the song where they had all their hands out and they could just see their hands. That was really fun. I also really liked the song... Where, like, I really like the lighting in this entire production. Like, so gorgeous. Yeah, they use, like, external, like, lights, like, handheld lights, but they also used, like, what I like to call the Fantasia, like, lighting, when it's, like, the light from below, and you, Mm -hmm. and they have, like, the big, um, silhouettes and shadows and when they're all performing their instruments it's so cool to see it blown out of like especially like angie swan on guitar i love her she's so cool yeah so that was really fun as well um yeah i think like once i got out of my head of trying to interpret it and just enjoyed it i had a really good time I know. I honestly, like, didn't really know the names of all the songs until the past two months as I've been listening to this more and getting into it. Mm. Um, so, yeah. And like you said, they don't announce the song titles. You just gotta, just gotta go with the flow. It really is, this, it is about the vibes. Well, I'm so exactly. happy that's... the word vibes is popular. I'm never letting it go. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's, like, made me realize, like, with similar, like, you, you, you kind of said it's kind of a connection to the Celine Dion one. Like, in my head, I was like, oh, you can still enjoy if you don't know the songs, but it's, I now I understand why like an enjoyment of something can be a lot of if you know what it is, but also that doesn't have to be the only factor of enjoying it. Yeah, like when I we watched Celine Dion, I knew her covers that she did, and my heart will go on. <laughs> and the whole time I was just vibing because she's so electric and energetic on stage, and yeah. she's got the Cirque du Soleil aspect of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you are just feeding off of the energy of the audience in that in yeah. that recording. And so like with this, it's a completely different tone, but you do just have to like find those moments where you can see people moving in their seats, and you can see yeah. the dad pointing in the front row who's just <laughs> living his dream of being front row for David Byrne. Yeah, and that's the I think the biggest difference between a Vegas show and a Broadway show. Mm-hmm. And there are some, like, similarities that they could be, but they're very separate, but they're both valid and have, like, their own, yeah, vibes to it. Vibes, man. Vibes, vibes. for this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I definitely feel like this could be a cool, like, the performance of it all, like, I thought was really interesting. But overall, I thought, like, my biggest connection to it was how they used instruments. Mm-hmm. And also I'm like, hey, I should add some of these songs to like my rotation. Cause I feel like some of these would be really good. Like, like w- again, dad working in a workshop. Like if I'm putting up my, finally putting up stuff on my walls, maybe having this in the background could be kind of like cool or like going for a ride. Like those types of gems. Like, hey, maybe I should like look into this more style of music that I haven't really taken a lot of, att- put it a lot of attention into. Oh lately. man, dad rock. I know. I'm at the point where if I'm watching this concert movie, I can't sit still. Like I can now only watch it in my own home because I have to stand up and dance along to it. Oh. Like 
with like obviously with burning down the house but also yeah. with i should watch tv or even just at the end like this is okay as we wrap up the last two songs are so perfect it's one a fine day and he mm. just closes with our connections are other to other people are what make you have to you have to be engaged in the world you have like don't shut yourself off even if it's mm. terrifying even if you don't feel like people will understand you or aren't like you you can't find the people who will love you if you don't reach out mm-hmm. and it's really hard to do mm. um and so like to close on one fine day which is just in these troubled times i still can see um it's not that far that one fine day and it's like you just have to believe but you have to work for it yeah <sighs> yeah and then and then their encore is road to nowhere which in the concert like they in the concert movie they rush into the audience and I love it too because it is like I'm gonna fight for that one fine day we're on a road to nowhere we don't know where we're ending up so like just go just go on this route and everyone's dancing and laughing and it's so joyous and it's like such a good note to end on where you feel happy and relieved and grateful for humanity It's (laughs) it's like that blind trust in the future but like you have to walk it to do it. Mm-hmm. Like it's the whole thing of like going through something. You actually have to go through it to get to the other side. You can't just be a bystander in global issues and personal issues. Like you have to actually do it. So yeah, I totally agree with that of the way it's like, I have hope we're going to do these things, but we're on, we're on a path to nowhere. We don't know where we're going, but we're on a path and that's we're on a path. Thing. And he even says like, the average age of voters is 57 and a lady in the audience is like, woo, me. Uh, (laughs) But he's like, think about your kids. And if you don't have kids, just think about people who are going to be alive when you're gone. And so you're on a road to nowhere, but then they're going to be on a road to somewhere. So like, we're all on this journey together. Yay. I love it. I love it. (laughs) My dad is totally converted. It's so funny. I know one other person who's seen this show live. And it's so funny because I mentioned like when I went to New York, I came back and she was like, oh, what did you see while you were there? And I explained, oh, with David Byrne. And she was like, shut up. It's in New York. She had also seen it in Toronto Mm. and was completely obsessed with it. So like, I think seeing this show just does something to people's brains (laughs) because she's also been to New York multiple times to see this show now. And I'm like, what is it about David Byrne where you're just like, I feel compelled. I do have one question. Mm -hmm. What? Not the ending, Andy, when they ending when they're like on bikes. But what what's up with the end of like the guy just? Like, <laughs> I have in? no answer. Can you okay. imagine being that dude though? Yeah, like was that scripted? So just so, in case you haven't seen it, there's just like it ends and they go to the behind. They're like, yay, like great show, la la. And then it just like has this instrumental, and then there's just a guy like facing away from the stage and just going. As everyone's leaving it? the theater, and he's just swaying and staring up at the balcony. And it's that like, is what? not scripted. I have to assume that, like, the day they recorded the show live, like, there would have, like, I don't think, I think with an event like that, you don't have to get everyone to literally sign, but you would have signs posted at the door throughout the theater saying, mm. like, we're filming. By entering this theater, you are yeah, granting yeah, yeah, permission yeah. for your image to be used. Um, but I think it was just a moment of, it's this really intense emotional experience. You're like, your adrenaline is pumping because for the last 20 minutes of the show, you are up on your feet dancing. You're surrounded by people and you're feeding off that energy. And then you have to leave the theater and they're like, it's Broadway yellow. They're like, get out, get out, get out, get out, get out. But there's like huge lines for all the doors. I feel like this dude was just in the third row and was like, well, I got to wait. And then they have like a big bouncy ball that was being bounced around the audience. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like that dude was just like, 
processing what he just witnessed and did not realize that this was going to be 30 seconds of a Spike Lee movie of him just swaying and staring and waiting to leave yeah. the theater. <laughs> yeah, I was like, okay. And, then, and I was like, what? what? Did I miss? <laughs> like, I was, but yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That makes more sense. Yeah. And then the credits are everyone on their bikes just biking through New York because David Byrne loves biking and bikes to and from the theater every night and then, yeah. like, got everyone really into it. They were actually just in the New York Times a couple of weeks ago with a, a feature because for the cast members who lived in New York, like, they just, they spent their pandemic biking around New York together. Like, that was their thing Aww. when New York was completely empty and on lockdown and you couldn't do anything or go anywhere or have anyone in your home. They just kept biking together and how this was, like... They're like, we met because of this show or like some of them had collaborated already, but like we became a company because of this show and that connection like is still there. They're all really good friends. <laughs> oh, it's nice. nice. I just love biking. <laughs> um, okay, cool, 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 cool. Uh, so overall, did you like it? Will you tell other people about it now that you've heard about it? Yeah, I think like overall, I'm really glad I watched it a second time because, which I usually do. I think overall, I enjoyed it. I don't know if I would watch it again. I'll definitely, like, I don't know if I'll actively watch would it Would you again. listen to the music again? Yes. That's, yes, more important to me. <laughs> I would listen, like, I as much as I loved how they did the set and the costumes, I feel like visually it wasn't as dynamic mm-hmm. as, like, to keep my intention if I wasn't seeing it live. Mm-hmm. But I still like how sim- simplistic it is in general. But I'll definitely listen to the music again. And it's definitely, I feel like, a good introduction to, like, theater for people who aren't really into theater, if they like that genre of music. Mm-hmm. And be like, here's the thing, because it has, like, some theatrical moments of it, but it's also a concert. So I definitely want to listen more to those musics. And also, I just want to listen to more drums. It's my little, like, Rohan heart that's like, oh, drums are happening. <laughs> there's so many drummers on stage. That was I a know. gift for you. David was. was like, I'm going to put in six. I'm going to budget for six drummers for Jenny and Jenny alone. <laughs> Who am I? What do I want? How do I work this? What are those people doing over there? Should I be doing that? Are they looking at me? Are they like me? Should I go over and talk to them? <laughs> Maybe not. Trying to figure this out. Wondering if there's, you know, wondering if there's a logic to it. And wondering if it's supposed to make some kind of sense. I know sometimes a man is wrong. Yay. Excellent. Yay! I'm so pleased. I prepared a little quiz for you. Yay. You got to watch it happen live because Jenny said you have an activity. And as you may have noticed, we had a little summer break. So I was like, well, shoot, I forgot I had to do that. <laughs> uh, fortunately, I actually had like an idea in my head because I had like a intro where I was going to do like a little trivia fun fact. And I was like, Emma, mm. just make that into a quiz. Cool. But uh, David Byrne does not have an EGOT, which is the combination of having mm. won an Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, Tony. He is, un- unfortunately, fortunately, only one shy of an EGOT. He's never won an Emmy. He was nominated this year for the film D- American Utopia. Didn't win. Que sera, sera. Mm. Um, But he has won a Grammy, uh, most recently in 2010, for Best Alternative Album. He's won an Oscar. He did a score in the 80s for the movie The Last Emperor. And he's won a Tony for this show. He won a special Tony mm. Award because they were like, it's not a musical, it's not a play, but it's something, and it's really good. So they gave him a special Tony Award. Nice. 
uh, which they did as something similar for Bruce Springsteen when he was on Broadway. So my quiz for you today are famous people who haven't won EGOTs, but only need one more award. To oh, get okay, okay, so okay. So I'm going to give you the three things they've won the other awards for, and you have to okay. tell me who it is. Okay. So this person has won an Emmy, a Grammy, and a Tony. They haven't won an Oscar yet. And I said to Jenny, the first question you'll get right away. And so I really hope I already have a guess. Yeah. Uh, This person won an Emmy for Hamilton, a Grammy for (laughs) Hamilton, and a Tony for Hamilton. (laughs) Lin-Manuel Miranda. Yay. He has not won an Oscar, even though he was nominated for How Far I'll Go for Moana. Rip. Mm. Okay. This person won an Emmy for Best Guest Actress on the show Mad About You. Okay. She has been nominated for many Grammys, but notably in the 80s, won Best New Artist. And she won a Tony for writing the music writing the music for Kinky Boots. Cindy Lauper? Cindy Lauper! Yay! Yay! Okay, straight up, I was like, Madonna? And then you said Kinky Boots. I was like, oh, I know who this is! <laughs> I knew you'd seen Kinky Boots, so I was like, I feel good about this. She's yeah. also... Uh, been nominated for time after time and true colors and mm. girls just want to have fun but she's only one for best new artist uh and then this person uh won an emmy for best variety special for the farewell tour which was a recorded concert film okay uh won an oscar for best actress in moonstruck and won a grammy for believe um sure Ding, 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 ding. Say that confidently. Say it loud. Share. Share. You crushed the quiz. Okay, excellent. Good job. Yay. Yay. I'm so, this is the best I've done with a quiz. That was fantastic. Excellent. (laughs) Because you should believe it. The first thing I thought was, I was like, oh, it's coming up for me. Yay. Share is with us even now. Yes. Um, I know. Technically, her farewell tour was called Share the Farewell Tour. Oh. I was like, for quizzing sakes, I'm going to leave part of that out. That is fair. Okay. Cool, 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 cool. All right. Thank you so much for listening. We're happy to be back for the fall. Uh, if you want to catch up on our other episodes, you can follow us on Tumblr or Twitter at Hi Ho Podcast or email us at HiHoPodcast at gmail.com. We also love music, David Byrne, and many other things, and Celine Dion included. Uh, so you can listen to playlists we make that we post to our Twitter on Spotify. Our most recent one was just some sweet instrumental tracks, and it was yeah. a good vibe. <laughs> Vibes. Vibes. Uh, <laughs> and thank you so much for listening. Remember to rate, review, subscribe on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. Yeah. And to remember to like what you like. Your opinion is valid. As long as it's the same as mine.